This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay. Now, if you turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8, we're going to continue this wonderful account here. God has given to us in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. It's the centurion. It's the history of the centurion. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. We'll look at these verses here until verse 13. Matthew 8, verses 5 to 13. Let's pray. Father, open our eyes. Open our eyes now, Lord, that we may see Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. I say to this one, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said to them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now, what happened here, the history of the centurion is also recorded in the book of Luke. And there are more details in the book of Luke about this encounter with the centurion. So let's turn and read that too also. It's 10 verses in Luke 7, the first 10 verses in Luke 7. Luke 7, verse 1. Luke 7, verse 1. This is a little more detail about this account here that we want to have in front of us as we begin to consider what happened. And you'll notice the differences as we look at them now. Luke 7, verse 1. 
When he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal a servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this, for he loveth our nations, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldst enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another, come, and he cometh, and to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned about him about and said unto them that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. And they that were sent returning to the house found the servant whole as he had done, had been sick, that had been sick. Now, so we've got this in our minds here of these further details in Luke, but again, we're going back to Matthew now, Matthew 8, verse 5, just to see that there was an excitement at this time in the moment that captured the crowd that was around the Lord Jesus. He's finished uh, his most comprehensive teaching that he'll give on the Sermon on the Mount, which was something that the people never heard before. They said, this has got authority to it. I've never heard this before, this authority. Everyone, and he's now in the north of Israel, everyone in the north of Israel is now talking about who this Jesus of Nazareth is. Who is he? And we saw in our last study how this excitement then as it was building, as the Lord had just healed a leper, which they'd never seen before. And keep in mind how, again, we've read the account of the book of Matthew, we've read the account in the book of Luke, and so the thing to keep in mind is you may be, you may be saying to yourself, well, why did Matthew leave out all these details? And why did Luke leave out some details, which he did, about those coming from the east and the west and so forth? So you ask yourself the question, why is it that way? Just a little bit of side note here. It's because you have to keep in mind, we have to keep in mind how the book of Matthew is written to the Jewish people and the book of Luke is not especially written to the Jewish people like the book of Matthew is. So we will find some details in the book of Matthew and some details, we will find some details and then we'll find some details that are omitted in the book of Matthew. That's by design. That's by design. It's not that Matthew forgot or he didn't look. It's by design because Matthew has a goal. He has a goal of persuading and convincing his own Jewish people that Jesus is their promised Messiah. He is their promised king. He is God, the God of Israel himself. That's his goal. Now, from our perspective, we're trying to learn as much as we can to help us in our faith in the Lord Jesus. So we're not sticking to just the book of Matthew, but, and that's why we look at this parallel passage. The point about this is that every author of the books of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all had their individual purpose in writing their book. As I said, Matthew is, is specifically targeting the Jewish people. As for this target group, 
and writing to achieve this goal, that's what he does. Now, on the other hand, if you take John, for example, as for his target group and what he's writing to achieve, John explained this to us. He put it best to us in the gospel when he wrote in the very last verse of the gospel of John in John 21, 25. John 21, 25, he said, there are also many other things which Jesus did. The which, if they should be written every one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. So John put it right to us. He put it right there in front of us, and he said, I chose these things to write because I have a goal. I have a purpose. And he told us what that purpose was in John 20, verse 31. John 20, verse 31, where he explains why he wrote these things. But these are written that she might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. So John didn't write his book to become a famous author. John didn't write his book to have a great book that'll be part of the Bible. John's not writing to be the best eyewitness reporter of all the information he saw. None of those reasons is why John wrote the book of gospel, the the gospel of John. John wrote the gospel of John to bring people, to bring us, to bring all people to believe that this Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah sent from heaven, that this Jesus Nazareth is the Son of God, is God the Son. And plain and simple, no guesswork, that's it. And for that matter, every teacher, if they're good, they have a purpose. Every teacher has a takeaway that he wants his hearers to go home with, and if he's good at what he's doing, he will tell you what the takeaways are that he wants his hearers to leave with. I can tell you what my purpose is. My purpose is to lead you, to lead me, to see that Jesus is Jehovah Jesus. That's why I always call him that, God himself. My purpose is to lead you, to lead me, to see that there's no division between the Old and New Testaments. They're all one Bible. My purpose is to lead you, to lead me, to see that the God of the Old Testament is the same Jehovah Jesus God of the New Testament. It's to lead us to love and trust him more and more and to want to serve him. It's to be so in love with Jehovah Jesus that I want for me, for us, to not want to stay here on earth away from his home any more than he determines we should. Okay, now, let's go back to Matthew. So the excitement now is continuing when all of a sudden, to the Lord Jesus, comes the centurion of all people in Matthew 8.5. Matthew 8.5, when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him. Now, for the purpose of, of writing to the Jewish people, that's all the information that is necessary because from Matthew's perspective, he is accomplishing his goal. More information about, well, it was really wasn't him that came, it was uh, elders that were sent and so forth, that could end up distracting the audience from Matthew's purpose. But we're interested in that more information, and so that's whereas in Matthew 8, 5, that a centurion came, we know the fuller picture from Luke in Luke 7.3. Luke 7.3, when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews beseeching that he would come and heal his servant. So that's how he came. 
He came through the elders of the Jewish people. And uh, by the way, I'm not going to do this, but it's a very interesting study to identify the specific points of information that each writer, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, chose to eliminate and chose to include and then to ask the question, why? Why? Now, the critics of the Bible, they totally distort this. Oh, you see, it's not, anyway. But why was this information that was chosen so important for that particular writer's goal? And why was that information that was eliminated, why would he consider that a distraction from his goal? Just would be a very great study, but for my purposes, it's going to be a distraction on what we want to accomplish in this class. Okay, so now, this is a scene. This is a history of the centurion. And like all history, there are actors that are coming on the stage, and they're going off the stage of this drama of the Lord entering into Capernaum with the centurion coming. Now, obviously, on the stage, there are two key persons on this stage of the, the history here, the centurion. And the first is the key person of the Lord Jesus. And we're going to look and spend some time looking at how the Lord Jesus saw this drama with the centurion. And as we always do spend time focusing on the person of the Lord because that's gonna, he will encourage us in our faith. Second key person in this drama is obviously the centurion, which is interesting in this history because the Lord Jesus never, it's very interesting when you read about this conversation, contact that they had in the book of Matthew, but when you look in Luke, you come to understand the Lord Jesus and the centurion never spoke to each other directly. They never saw each other in this history here. So the centurion, though, nevertheless, the centurion is the second most important part person in this history, and we're going to spend a lot of time talking about this centurion because he is very encouraging to, for us to strengthen us in our faith. And then there are minor persons in this history who are still very important to us, which are the third persons, are these elders of the Jews, which are not identified in the book of Matthew, but they're interesting for us. They're the ones who carry the message of the centurion, and they do their own intercession for the centurion to the Lord. Now, the fourth person in this history is obviously the subject of it all is this servant, whoever he is, who's on the verge of death, as we learned from Matthew said he was, he's sick and grievously tormented and moved. He's like right on the, he's, gonna, he's about to die. The fifth person or group of people in this history are these group of friends that the centurion, when the Lord's getting close to his house, the centurion now sends with another message to the Lord. So those are the persons, those are the groups, those are the people that are making up this historical drama of the centurion and his sick servant. Now, first we look at the Lord Jesus. First we look at the Lord Jesus, who has just finished, arguably, his most exhaustive lecture on the Sermon on the Mountain. And right out of the blue comes this leper who wants to be healed. And the Lord, as we have seen, the Lord heals him by touching him. He touches to heal him. And we know that, as we said, the teaching, the lecture, the time was exhausting. 
And we know that it was also exhausting for the Lord when he touched this leper, when he healed him, because when the Lord healed people by physical contact, that drained him. That drained him of what he called virtue going out of him. And there was another time, when another time we learned all this, because there was another time when a woman came in the crowd from behind him and touched the hem of his garment, and the history was Luke 8.43, Luke 8.43. A woman having an issue of blood 12 years, which had spent all her living upon physicians, neither could be healed of any, came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately her issue of blood stanched, stopped. And Jesus said, who touched me? When all denied, Peter and they that were with him said, Master, the multitude throng thee and press thee, and sayest thou, who touched me? And Jesus said, somebody hath touched me, for I perceive that virtue is gone out of me. So that's what he said. Virtue has gone out of me, an exhausting experience for the Lord. We don't know exactly all the details, but we know virtue went out of him, exhausting. So when the Lord touched this leper, that was draining him, the Lord, as virtue went out of him. And the Lord was human. The Lord was also human. He experienced fatigue. He experienced hunger. He experienced the need for relaxation, for refreshment. But as tired as he was at that time, the Lord never turned away a person in need, like a leper, like a centurion. The Lord never said to these people, sorry, the office is now closed. You please come back during office hours. He never said that. He never said, please come back later. The Lord was always ready to help people 24-7. Any time, any place, anyone. That's what we see here, and that's what we experience in our life. This is what gives us so much encouragement, because at any time, in any place, anyone including us, when we call on the Lord, he's there, he answers. Now, just imagine what the Lord thought when he looks at this centurion. This, well, he understands the centurion was coming to him through the Jewish elders. A centurion was a... I don't like to use the term, but he's, he's almost like the SS in Nazi Germany. Centurion was a harsh reminder to everyone of the terrible conditions that Israel was under. A centurion was a symbol of brutal domination of Rome over the Jewish people. Centurion's like a captain with 100 people underneath them. That's what they call the centurion. And there were uprisings during the Roman occupation, their dominance, Roman dominance. There were uprisings among the Jewish people. There were protests amongst the Jewish people against the Roman occupation. And the Romans didn't stand up and say, well, you know, they have a, a constitutional right to protest. That's not what they did. <laughs> they said, the Romans, the Romans, quite the contrary, the Romans, through the centurions, met those protests, met those uprisings, with the public torture and death, essentially like an impalement of the bodies through crucifixions. That was the Romans' way to deal with the protests. So Rome was hated by the Jewish people, and in particular, the centurions, were, since they were 
committed to both Rome and the Caesar, they were the focus of hatred. So when the Lord receives this message from the centurion, the Lord knows also he is going to suffer the torture and the killing as his body would be impaled on a Roman cross by crucifixion under the command of a centurion. But the Lord didn't look at the centurion and racially profile him and say, well, you know, all centurions are wicked, evil, cruel men. The Lord didn't prejudge this centurion. The Lord saw that the centurion was a very special person. And the Lord was going to break through the barriers of prejudice to help this centurion. It's what I oftentimes say to, the, to my, 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 uh, my dear Jewish people. I say, if you are going to come to the Lord Jesus, you will have to break through the barriers of prejudice against him. Well, the Lord was going to break through these barriers of prejudice against the centurions. Now, the question is, if we focus on the Lord, what did the Lord see about this centurion? We don't even know his name. He's such an important person. It would be nice to be able to say his name was something, you know, but we don't know. We don't know, but we know a lot about him. Now, first, the key word in both Matthew and Luke about this centurion was the word beseeching, which means begging, begging. This centurion was begging the Lord Jesus to heal his servant. In Matthew, we're just told that the centurion wanted to heal his servant. It's in Luke that we learn that the Jewish elders wanted the Lord to come and heal. The centurion never said, come and heal my servant. He just said, heal. The elders who were interceding on behalf of the centurion interjected this, uh, this concept of come. Luke 7.3, Luke 7.3, he sent elders of the Jews beseeching him that he would come and heal his servants. So it's the Jewish elders that interject into this message that the Lord Jesus should come. He needs to come and heal. Obviously, that come part was not part of the message sent by the centurion. We know this because when the centurion learned that the Lord was coming, the centurion sent his friend saying, no, no, don't come. You don't need to come to heal my servant. It's not necessary, and I'd rather you didn't come because I'm not worthy. So the centurion had faith in the Lord's power to heal from a distance, which obviously the elders of the Jewish people did not have that faith in the Lord's ability to heal from a distance because they asked him to come and heal. Now, this shows us something about the Lord Jesus because obviously the Lord Jesus knew in advance that the centurion didn't want him to come to his house but the Lord didn't turn to the elders of the Jews and say, you know, you fellas got it all wrong. Uh, the centurion really doesn't want me to come to go to his house, so you better go back and the centurion confirm what I've just told you. He didn't do that. No, the Lord, what's interesting here about the Lord is he let it all play out. They want me to come, I'll come. He let it all play out. Of course the Lord knew that this was an opportunity for the centurion to express his extraordinary, and that's what it was, extraordinary faith in the power of the Lord Jesus. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.